Welcome to The People I Know, a philosophical podcast with and about the diverse people I've met over the years as an African-American dancer, thinker, teacher, artist, and dog lover. This season is The Black People I Know, The Black Men I Know, and today's guest is a dancer, performer, and pole artist, Michael Smith. All right, um, introductions, oh boy. So yes, definitely pole dancer. Um, we'll say off-season pole dancer right now. Uh, <laughs> on hiatus. Um, also work in tech, surprise, surprise, working in San Francisco. Um, but I work on the HR side. So I'm you know, not coding or making anyone's, uh, anyone's software, <laughs> but working with the teams. Okay. My, my day job, as it were, although they often intersect quite a bit. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And um, as we were just saying, um, I we've met um, online. I don't even know how long I've been following you. Um, I think maybe a PSO happened, some full competition happened. I may have seen you on stage or maybe it was just, I'm not even sure how yeah. it started. But <laughs> Every PSO event always feels almost like a convention. Yeah. In a, in a, in a Cause yeah, every time I like, meet people that I saw online or I meet them there and then sock them online. So I'm, I am assuming it was some PSO event at some point. Yeah. Um, so definitely, I've definitely heard your name quite a bit, you know, prior, <laughs> prior to also following you on Instagram. Uh, so yeah, it was, I'm gonna assume PSO. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so that is how, how we know of each other. And uh, just jumping right in, the big question for this season, because yeah. these are uh, the Black people I know, the yeah. Black men, <laughs> the Black folks I know. Um, how and when and why, um, why does being Black matter to you? And uh, specifically, um, why does being a Black artist matter for you? Yeah. So why does being Black matter to me? I would say it it matters because it provides almost like a, a context of how I got to where I am, how I got to where I am, why I think the way I do, what, you know, what I brought, you know, into, into the world as far as my own experiences, my culture, my upbringing, all of that, and how much of that, how much of my experiences, good, bad, the ugly, all of it have, they generally have some uh, connection to, to Blackness. Um, so I would say that it's such a strong part of my identity in the sense that it manifests itself in everything I do, everything I say, in pole, um, my friendships, of course, my family. Um, and then as an artist, I, I go back and forth. I think I struggle a little bit because I feel like in some ways it doesn't in itself, in every situation, I would say, connect mm -hmm. to, for example, a pole performance. But then I also know that on other on other situations, I will very like deliberately express blackness through a performance. It's always going to be there because I am black, so like that that will always exist. But I don't know yeah. if necessarily is front and center every time. But I, then I know that other times, like my last performance was right before the uh, the the election, like a, a get out the vote, go vote type performance, mm -hmm. um, like very BLM focused. Mm -hmm. so, in that case, it was like, you know, literally, I mean, I had a mask on that said, you know, Black Lives Matter. So there was a very conscious effort to introduce it, as opposed to maybe other performances where maybe it impacted how I moved or, you know, I'm really big on musicality. And mm -hmm. I would imagine some connection that, you know, ties back to Blackness and music and dance. So 
I think it kind of ebbs and flows sometimes on purpose, sometimes not so much. Mm -hmm. um, and that you're just getting me starting to think of like, because I you're the first uh, fellow dancer that I've kind of conversed with. And I'm just thinking like, when does blackness matter? Like not on purpose, just, just by being black. Like we can't escape being a black performer, being a black dancer. And that's just getting me thinking of like the times where people have commented like, oh, you're, your muscles look so, so beautiful, like on stage or just like, they're just so highlighted. And part of that is because I'm black. Like I can have the same, <laughs> the exact same build as a fellow dancer, but because of like our hues and tones, like you just see <laughs> the, hey, the, the figure. And especially PSO lighting, it's very bright. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is one of those inescapable things. Um, so when, when does being black not matter in your life, personally or professionally? Um, when does it not matter? That's, that's difficult because I've never deliberately said to myself in any situation that being black did not matter. I'm sure there are times that it did, but I actually like really think about it because I've never just said, you know, me being black, like I've never, you know, deliberately, you know, expressed that or acted with that kind of at the front of my mind. Mm. Um, I think it's, uh, that one's hard. God, <laughs> I think it, it doesn't necessarily matter in situations where my blackness in itself doesn't impact maybe what I'm trying to communicate or what I'm trying to say. So like being at work, for example, the ideas that I have, the advice that I give to my team. So again, being in HR, most of my job is you know, giving other people advice, quote unquote. And in some cases, yes, my blackness does have an impact on the counsel that I give to people, but in a lot of instances, it's more, here's what I have seen work or not work or what I think you should do based on my experiences with people. So I think maybe in my work where it's not, you know, DNI work specifically, that my blackness doesn't directly manifest in how I operate. Okay. I think. Okay. <laughs> have I ever gone into a situation and, and told myself in, in some kind of way, my blackness does not matter here. <laughs> yeah, like, I've that con I'm sure it's happened, but I've never like looked myself yeah. in the mirror and been like, it doesn't matter right now, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, maybe in like, in like an all black space, mm -hmm. I've, I've had to talk to myself more like that, where like, this is something that I get to ignore more or where, uh, or it's, it's a given. And, yeah. and there's been so, for me personally, um, not as many times where I'm in those, just like, oh, I'm not the only brown girl in the room. Awesome. Yeah. Like, there's just not even this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, I don't have to think about like, is there lint in my hair? Because somebody will tell me. Like, it's yeah. just like. I do though. And I think my, again, my exposure or my consumption of blackness, that there are certain black spaces where because of my own like insecurities and self-consciousness and growing up in a predominantly kind of white environment that I do sometimes overcorrect mm. because like I want my blackness to, I want to like fit in with my blackness. So I kind of like maybe overdo it because I'm not as black as the people in the room. So I think sometimes mm -hmm. it makes me think more about it because I'm in a room of black people. Gotcha. 
Yes, I've, I've felt that. I like need to let you know exactly the songs I like growing up or the same foods that I ate or the phrases that I like. You need to know these things about me before anything else so that we, so you know I'm also Black. <laughs> Slash my Black card real quick. Exactly. Yeah, it feels like I have to almost like show my badge before I yeah. before conversation because of my own insecurities around my Blackness and the expression of my Blackness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, did you grow up there in California or elsewhere? No, so I grew up in Southern New Jersey, outside Philly. Um, school that I went to growing up was a teeny tiny little private school. It was predominantly white kids, um, kind of middle, uh, not quite upper class, but I mean, it was definitely a, a school of, of privileged students. Um, and then from there went to a, a mostly white school outside Boston, which is also a pretty white town. Um, and then a job there moved me to California, where in most of the places that I work, it's predominantly white people. So by one kind of measure or another, I've always been, one, not, not always, in a lot of spaces, especially professional settings, I'm usually one of few, if not the only Black person, one of few queer people, the only Black and queer person. Um, so in those situations, I don't think about it as much. I don't, have to, I don't have to prove it to anyone. Whereas around people who do look and think and were raised like me, I do feel this need to, to prove myself more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, moving on to specifically like the philosophical and, and critical stuff. Um, yeah. So my, my general question is when is philosophy or and or critical thinking, um, when is one of these things important for you personally and professionally. Um, and again, you know, I, <laughs> I'm going to put your, uh, your social media whatnot um, here below the video, of course. And so people, please, please check out this beautiful man and watch him move. You are just, <sighs> so if you can bring in how philosophy plays into that or, or, or critical yeah. thinking, if it's relevant, um, yeah. but yeah, how, how do you deal with those things in your life? Yeah. I think I spend a lot of, given the spaces that I occupy, want to occupy, maybe don't want to, but do, that a lot of the, I think, identities, the things in my life have kind of odd intersections. Like I work in tech, I live in a fancy building in San Francisco, and I know that like I am, you know, to some extent, contributing to the issue of gentrification in San Francisco. Like I, I just know that flat out. And like, so try to tell myself that like, I, I care about the working class and like, you know, there's a huge minimum wage conversation kind of spiking up again. And mm-hmm. I want to tell yeah, I fully support all of that. Like, don't exploit people. Capitalism is awful as I work my overpaid tech job. So <laughs> I, I, I think my, the critical thinking is very internal in the sense that I almost, almost like a hypocrite sometimes trying to walk the walk and talk the talk. Mm-hmm at the same time. Or for example, being a, a pole dancer, but I also know that it isn't my, my life. I can step in and out mm. of pole. One, because it isn't my source of income and it being a cisgendered man, that it's, it's a novelty when I do it. And there are plenty of people who don't approve, sure. But I have a lot of privileges in the, in the space, the way I walk through the world that I can kind of remove. I get all like the, all the all like the the flavor but none of the calories when it comes to comes to pole right <laughs> in and out and i've never particularly felt ostracized or shamed or you know belittled because i mean maybe a handful of times but 
a fraction of the times that the people around me, predominantly women who are either, um, it's their primary role, they're sex workers, um, they keep it from their family, their family finds out that, you know, it's, just, it's, it's much more close to chest. So I feel like I live this almost world of contradictions, mm. but all of that critical thinking sits up here where I'm like, this is, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Am I, you know, am I using my privilege in the right way, for example, mm. being a, a man who is pole dancing, who can, you know, throw on some heels and be like, oh, look at this gay guy in heels, or be like, oh, look at this hunk with the muscles. Um, yeah. Not that I agree with that, but I can play the part. So. Yeah. <laughs> Still the internal stuff going on. Exactly. Being able to shift through all of those things is almost like a, like a guilt. Mm. Uh, you know, am I doing enough for the communities that I want to be a part of, or even that I just live in, for example, San Francisco. Um, so I think I spent a lot of my time without really answering the question, just questioning some of those overlaps in my, in my life and the, the lives of the people around me, like other friends who are, for example, pole dancers work in tech, but they are women. So I know that they deal with a lot more than I do from like a social stigma standpoint. Mm. That is such a good point. I mean, I guess it's something that I'd recognize, but had never spent much time thinking about how, how you or any other specifically black, queer black male pollers, pole dancers, who, how you are able to move in and out of these spaces. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if I could rank, like which is more important that it's not your primary um, source of income or because you're a man. Like, I don't know what the order is for those, yeah. but, um, but it is a very, I, there is a distinct difference where it's, it's not that you could just like post anything and it would get hundreds of views, but um, it's something along those lines where there's this different, this, there's certain stigmas that just aren't there. And, yeah. um, and so as a result, certain freedoms that you have that you know, either I or some other dancer does not. And so that's, huh, <laughs> not sure what to do with that, but that might start this whole other <laughs> project for me. Mm -hmm. um, so as far as where you, where you live and how you work for your day job, um, you said um, uh, this phrase of the spaces that you want to occupy. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if those two things are really are, are, are related, but what, what, what do you mean by that? What, what kinds of spaces do you want to occupy? Yeah, so I, I think the, the spaces that I wanna occupy are the ones that I deliberately seek to be a part of without um, a, a payment, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase, whether that be money or social. So being, for example, I. I enjoy occupying black spaces. I enjoy occupying queer spaces. The world in which I work is predominantly white, but they pay me to be there. Not that I don't want to be there, but it's not just, you know, out of the kindness of my heart. <laughs> so I would say this, it's not that I don't want to occupy them, but it's spaces where I have different expectations. And the spaces I want to most excitedly occupy are the ones where the, the, the uh, reciprocity is my own joy, my own happiness. Being in that space is my payment for being in the space. Mm. To where I work, I enjoy my job, but I also would not do it for free. Whereas I would, I would in fact, we, I pay to pole dance, I pay to perform. Um, and then my job, you know, that is, oh, pays me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
but I think it's what I get from different spaces, different identities, or what I get from the relationships in my life, professionally, personally, artistically, and then pole kind of in some ways being a combination of all of them. Mm -hmm. Do you think there is some way for the current like US pole community to support that, that desire of yours in some kind of way? And, and I asked because I, was, I actually was uh, you know, conversing with a, a, another female polar um, and she was saying that, that this was one thing that she would like to see change in the poll community. Uh, um, and we didn't get to get into a whole lot of other things that she, had, that she was thinking, but um, it seems to be a common desire because I certainly have it myself where it's just like, I just wanna do this really cool stuff and I don't wanna have to work for other people in order to fund this. I just wanna be able to do this. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious about your perspective on this. Yeah. Well, I think with, again, having my like salary, my, my salary job that I have the ability separate from stepping in and out of the space from identity perspective, that if I want to, uh, you know, to travel to compete or go, you know, pay however much to go see a poll show, I can do those things based on my occupation. But I think what I would want to see, I think I guess see more in the poll community is, um, what is the least inflammatory way to say this? <laughs> a lot of the kind of figures, the very mm -hmm. prominent figures within the poll community are predominantly white, cisgendered, thin women. Mm -hmm. Great, great dancers, love it, all of that. But I would like to see a very conscious, I'm stepping to the side to give black bodies, bigger bodies, queer bodies, differently abled bodies, um, a, a bit more of a spotlight. And I think people are trying some harder than others, but I would wanna see people who are kind of at the forefront from a privileged perspective in this community being a lot more deliberate in sharing that space and not kind of adding, like I don't want a, a guest, I want the front, you know, I want the, the headliners Mm -hmm. to be differently abled, queer, black, brown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And from a critical thinking perspective, I think this is a really good example of how we can, um, of, of what it means to, to, to make space, to, to step aside, to take a seat um, for folks who, who don't really know, like for well-meaning white folks particularly, we're like, okay, I, I, I want to, I want like my my black friends to to feel more welcome, but I don't really know what that means. Um, and I think this is a really good example. <laughs> like, okay, if you do have you know twenty three thousand followers and you're have been doing you know fifteen tours to do workshops all around, maybe you can also do partner work with somebody who's looks different than you or um, take lessons or share some tips that this person that, or just put them <laughs> I, I'm not sure but that's what it's it sounding like you're saying like you know, step it's, aside a step aside and more of a not I mean sharing the space yes but even in that example right of let me bring along these other people with me in a way that doesn't necessarily feel like an afterthought mm. I think the and I do think that the the white polars that I, or non-black polars that I most surround myself with, I, and, if, and I guess it's kind of by choice, so I can say that, that I am appreciative of the way that they share and interact with black and brown spaces. I guess mm -hmm. they do 
didn't, I wouldn't interact with them. So yeah. <laughs> I think those two kind of go together because I wouldn't, you know, associate that closely with them otherwise. Um, but it's basically why can't people be more like my friends is really kind of what it all comes back down to. Is <laughs> these are some of the people that I think are getting it right. Why can't people be more like the people I know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which again is like a whole other reason why I'm doing this podcast is just like, you know what, I'm tired of trying to wait for these people that I like and these people that I look up to and these people that I've uh, filled my head with all of these years to recognize me. I'm just going to stick around and talk to and hang out with the people that I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, just do the things that we do and talk about the stuff that I want to talk about and I know that we want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if to your, when you were talking about when does my blackness not matter, um, I think about when black polars are showcased. I am mm. assuming that those individuals are proud to be black, but can I just be in a performance without it being a spectacle that I'm black? Like, can my blackness not be uh, novel or mm. some sort of like, add to the show. I mean, I'm you know, certainly grateful to be a black person, but right. I think in the cases, where, and, and this is even the people that I do know, that when black people are, it's like, oh my God, we got a black person. This is like, it, it almost becomes a little bit tokenized where I would just, I would want it to be normal that this cast has a handful of black people in it versus it being this grand effort or this, um, production that I got more than two black people in one show. Like I'd want the show to have some black people. Like I'd want it to be normalized and not this uh, exception. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy I'm okay, Bay. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Um, so my, my final official question is on existential dilemmas and it's, <laughs> it's the big one. The largest question anyone's ever asked anybody, last one. <laughs> right. I certainly couldn't start off with that one. And so, um, I, I mean, I don't want to ask anything specific about it. It really is like, what is your relationship with existential crises or existential dilemmas? Do you have any, um, any advice for people who are currently <laughs> experiencing them or any advice for yourself? Yeah. Um, <laughs> How do these look for you? I think the very first, the absolute first one I would say is um, mental health wellness matters. <laughs> I would absolutely start there. Um, everyone should have a therapist. I, and actually part of this conversation in itself is these are things that I've thought about in one way or another, but I either haven't communicated them or because I've been asked to communicate them it makes me think about them even more so I think I would encourage maybe not quite in a podcast you know depending on someone's level of comfort but I do think asking these questions either of yourself or your friends your family your peers has been helpful because it's made me say things out loud that I've maybe been thinking my entire life and have never said out loud before this conversation mm -hmm. so I would start with you know, being maybe comfortable or finding someone in which you can be comfortable. Uh, I want to say unpacking because that sounds so cheesy, but like it's true that like talking through what's going on in your head because 
not everyone has either the vocabulary to um, to articulate it, or they might feel like the only person thinking it, or they just need someone else to know what's going on in their head so that they don't feel like they're alone. So I, like I, I would start there. See, you know, get a therapist and have uncomfortable conversations with people you trust. Mm. Have uncomfortable conversations with people you trust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't know what an uncomfortable conversation <laughs> might look like, yeah. Um, uh, start asking the questions that you're avoiding. Start start yeah. with the discomfort. Maybe start looking at the things that you don't do, that we don't do. Yeah. Uh, if you catch yourself, maybe like, what's the best way? And I did it a couple times here. Like, what's the best way for me to phrase this? Or how do I say this? Uh, the things you don't want to say are probably the things that you should probably say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That like, just that self-check of if someone asking my name, there's no question as to what my name is. Like, I, I know that it's comfortable. I got it. No problem. But then someone asked me, you know, when does my blackness matter? I'm like, ooh, hmm. So like the fact that I have to pause and think that that's what I should be answering yeah. compared to you know, what is your name, for example. If you, I'm sure for some people, even that's a, a big one. But Yeah, yeah, depending on the space. <laughs> language, the spelling, all of that. Who's asking? <laughs> when you have to stop and pause, that's probably the question you should be answering. Mm. or at least looking to, maybe not answering, but looking to answer, finding an answer to. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Goodness gracious, this is like, wham, bam, thank you, sir. <laughs> Again, that, that's all the official questions that I have for you. Um, is there anything else that you would like the world to know that you have, um, since you have this space? Oh boy, that I would like the world to know. Um uh defund the police <laughs> you know so abolish the industrial prison complex i don't like, say what else i need like um i need some like oh so glad you asked <laughs> <laughs> those those seem very meaningful and yes those are things i want the world to know <laughs> okay okay um, and, uh, I have, I will post, as I said, your, your Instagram, cause that's what I have of you, but is there any other contact, uh, methods of contact or social media that you would like, uh, for me to list on underneath the YouTube video? Um, so my Instagram is also my email. So if somebody wanted to email me, good luck, but, um, it's the same as my Instagram, E-S-E-M-V-R at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, I think my kind of social media, the way I would encourage strangers to contact me, <laughs> that would be the kind of the singular method. Gotcha. Cool. A poll email. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, wow. Thank you. <laughs> this is refreshing. Just, ah. Oh, well, first of all, infinitely glad to even be invited to have this conversation. But I think when I was when I was saying uncomfortable conversations, where I'm sitting here like, it's not hot in here. <laughs> not hot. That like that discomfort to me is refreshing because it probably means I'm asking and answering questions that I need to continue asking and answering. So I am 
for the, the world out there, I'm getting a whole lot out of this. Hopefully y'all are too in the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <sitting> here warm. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah, I get a little <laughs> as well. Just just the excitement of this. This is I I love doing this. I love doing this kind of mental, mental yoga in addition to the physical stuff. Yeah. Um goodness gracious. Yes. Thank you once again. <laughs> Have a lovely day, Michael. <laughs> you too. See ya.